Hey, you're listening to the Subclub Podcast, a show dedicated to the best practices for building and growing subscription app businesses. We'll share insider secrets from the top subscription apps on the app stores. Let's get into the show. So I wanted to welcome everybody. This is the first ever live taping of the podcast. I'm normally like, Jake's been on webinars and podcasts with him. He's usually a little floating head. Uh, <laughs> So this first ever live taping, we do release episodes um, a couple times a month on you know Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere you listen to your podcasts. We do deep dives on subscription app monetization uh, and all things subscription app growth and uh, everything related to that. Uh, for those of you listening on the podcast, because we do have kind of two audiences today, uh, we're live on stage at App Promotion Summit. And uh, it is really nice to have uh, a live audience and real faces here today. And thank you to App Promotion Summit. It's been a fantastic event. Um, so if you're uh, looking for conferences in the fall and whatnot, there are some great uh, uh, events coming up with App Promotion Summit. So our guests today are Jake Moore. He is the founder and CEO of Superwall, uh, the best way to build and test paywalls without having to update your app. Thanks, Jake, for joining me today. For sure. Thanks for having me. And we also have Daryl Stone. He is the head of product and design at Citizen, the number one public safety app in the US. Thanks for joining us, Daryl. Super happy to be here, Dave. And uh, as Andrew said, I'm David Bernard, developer advocate at RevenueCat. Um, at RevenueCat, we are a subscription app data platform. We provide in-app SDKs to make it easy to deploy in-app subscriptions. Uh, we also have uh, server backend that becomes your single source of truth for subscription data. And we also um, now support over 12,000 apps on the app stores, including Citizen. And um, we have over 20,000, I mean, 20,000, 20 integrations, uh, such as Superwall, that use our real-time uh, subscription lifecycle data to power their products to help our developers make more money. So with that, I wanted to jump into the topic at hand, paywalls. <laughs> And uh, Jake and I actually did a webinar earlier this year. Uh, for those of you listening on the podcast, there'll be show notes. For those of you in the audience, uh, search Revenue Cat on YouTube uh, and Jake Moore. And um, that's going to be kind of a deep dive. We're going to try and do the, uh, the shotgun version today and, and go as quickly as possible and hit the highlights. But if you, if you like what you hear, uh, there's a, a, an extended version with Q&A uh, available. Um, so with that, I wanted to kick it off talking about the five most important things to optimize with your paywall. And the first one, Jake, that you love to talk about is placement. <laughs> so I also run my own apps and have for the last 12 years. I've launched like 20 plus apps, um, sold a few of them. And this is something I've always struggled with. Like I feel like uh, I don't wanna bug my users with a paywall. Like should I do it in onboarding? Should I not? Like where do I put it? And it's honestly led to me not being great at monetizing my products. <laughs> so tell me, like, what are the most important things to be thinking about when thinking about where to put your paywall in the app? For sure. So when you're thinking about placement, uh, there, are two, there are two real placements you should be thinking about. The first is when do new users see the paywall? And the second is when do existing users who already use my app, when do they see the paywall? Um, for users who are just signing up, there are two main places. It's either before onboarding or after onboarding. And then if you're already a user, there are also two main places. It's either on app open or right as you're trying to use a key feature. Um, so usually there are two, two possibilities that you want to test for each, for each one. 
Uh, usually the winning combination is on every app open before using any locked feature, both before <laughs> and after onboarding. So usually more shots on goal are always better. Uh, yeah, that's really interesting. And, and um, you, you brought up the concept of percentage of users yes. who actually see the paywall. This is something I never thought about. And it's such a huge key to actually like understanding your app monetization. So, so tell me about yeah, that. Yeah, the, the number one most neglected metric uh, in all of the apps we've worked with is what are the percentage of installs that are actually seeing the paywall? And if this isn't a metric you're tracking already, you should. Uh, usually we don't see apps that are coming in have over 80%, which is kind of insane because we see directional movement between percent uh, install to paywall view, uh, between, between that and percent install to paid. Uh, so yeah. it, it, your gains pass through the trial uh, survival as well. Yeah, and this is something I have not tracked in my own apps, but I, I would bet, and I think you've worked with apps like this, I bet probably only 20%, 20 to 30% of the people who ever open my apps actually see the paywall, which is just ridiculous. Like if, yeah, if, if you're building an app to sell and monetize via subscriptions, like you need to actually show them. And something that I think about a lot as well is that showing people that the app may cost them money is actually oftentimes a better user experience. Like I've failed in my own apps where people get into the app, they never see a paywall, they get onboarded, they do all this work, and then all of a sudden I slap a paywall. It's a terrible experience as a user. Like you come in not expecting to pay anything, everything seems free, and then you lock the feature that they're about to use. It's a terrible experience. And so, you know, as, we, as we've been talking more about more and more about paywalls, I'm realizing it really is a better experience to, to get that paywall out there and let people know, hey, this is something of value and I may be charged for it at some point. So Daryl, I know you've been doing a lot of uh, paywall testing and placement testing. And one of the other challenges with paywall testing is getting the team aligned and, and getting the team excited about these little iterations and, and, and getting focus around these really important topics, but that don't seem that important. So how, how do you align your team? Yeah, I think that uh, it's really important you have a sharp viewpoint on the structure you put in place to do this kind of testing and how you operationalize it. Um, and you know, what's really important to, to my team, and we're kind of thinking about how to market our product. We have a subscription product, it's called Citizen Protect. 24-7 access to a uh, trained safety agent. Y'all should check it out. Um, when we're trying to get them excited about it, we really want to tell the whole story through the flows that present the paywalls. It's not necessarily just about what does this paywall look like and where do we put it? It's what is the user's mindset when they're opening the app and what is the story we sort of reveal to them through our onboarding um, so that when they see the paywall, it's contextualized to their experience. And like we think about it as an end-to-end -end user flow. Um, and you know, our flow right now has two different paywall moments where we give you a story about the app and how it's, it exists for your personal safety and your community safety. We have you sign up, we present a paywall. A lot of people convert there. If you don't, you fill out a safety profile, which just exists to make sure we can better protect you. And then you see another paywall after that. Um, if you haven't yet subscribed, if you have already, you get you know a demo of the product you just signed up for. Um, and when you frame it that way, kind of at the narrative level, then you can create these like moments where people can kind of understand kind of how their work fits in and kind of, this is not just about, you know, one space for one user, it's actually kind of a narrative flow. And then you can start to run really rapid tests on the key moments of leverage in that surface. And um, I know Jake has a bunch of thoughts on this as well, but you know, for us, it's really always be testing. Um, the more you can kind of generate idea-wise, the better concepts, the better theories you have, um, the better results you'll see. And then as you sort of get wins and sort of, you know, inflect your 
curves up and onboarding is a great place for this because for us there's a new flow of users every day and it inflects your curves forever um it becomes very motivating to, to a team and that's sort of how we think about the structure and uh if i could add one more thing it would be the less engineering you need to test and iterate uh the better off you'll be and the happen the faster you can kind of create a feedback loop for success which is why we're really excited about what superwall offers because it is you know relatively speaking a lot less code for a lot more kind of iteration which has kind of regalvanized our team yeah, that's really cool. And then uh, in, in Jake's, I'm borrowing from Jake's list to uh, uh, run the, the conversation today uh, of the five top things to focus on for optimizing your paywall. The first one is placement and the second one is features. And I know Jake, I, I mean, sorry, uh, Daryl, just before we got on stage, we were talking about uh, Citizen has been thinking a lot about how to balance your freemium offering. So yeah, what, what's your thinking uh, about uh, landing people on the paywall and then what the freemium experience should be? Because obviously you, you want to put some features behind the paywall, but then you want to give people a good experience. It's, to me, it's like one of the big biggest challenges in the subscription app space is to really dial in your freemium strategy. And then Jake, I'm going to follow up because I, I love some of your ideas on here. But what, yeah, how are you thinking about that at Citizen? So we take the responsibility of our free app to provide community safety for free very seriously as part of our mission. And we don't want to jeopardize that with flows that lock, you know, essential safety information in real time behind, you know, paying experiences. And that's just kind of like a, a line we've drawn. I think to be super honest, we're still in the process of figuring out how to orient our existing kind of core product more more wholly around this concept of the of the protect agent. I think I would guess if we pulled the room or definitely if we pulled our user base, a lot of people, because we've kept the free app so relatively unencumbered by paywalls, don't even realize that this product like deeply exists. Yeah, I was and, telling you before we came on, I, I downloaded Citizen last night, perfect place to test it here in New York City. And I saw the paywall, closed the paywall, got the freemium experience and it was a fantastic experience. Like there was, I heard police sirens, I got on the app, I got to see like what was going on. So it really does provide a lot of value in that free experience. Yeah, and we don't want, that's gonna remain, you know, free and available yeah. for safety. Um, we're in the process now of kind of reorienting our entire app around this idea of the Protect Agent. They exist to power your community safety. Right. Um, that's gonna become way more obvious to users. Even those notifications you get, there's a Protect Agent who's powering that with kind of real-time editorial judgment to keep your community safe. And as that becomes more clear to our user base and the agent becomes more powerfully reachable in these moments of, you know, uh, community crisis or community safety, uh, we think it'll become pretty obvious why you want to subscribe. And we're sort of taking that type of approach versus just, you know, aggressively paywalling every app open or something yeah. like that. Though we certainly might try some of those things as we're just driving awareness for our premium safety offering. But the right. core app will remain, you know, largely free with the safety enhancement. Yeah. And, and a lot of apps go that route. But Jake, you give the exact opposite advice to a lot of apps. So your advice often is to paywall everything at first. So why, why would you give the advice to paywall everything? Well, usually when you're starting an app, you're, uh, how, how well you iterate has to do with the quality of your users and the quality of their feedback. And your app is only going to get better over time as you push updates. So if you're really striking a nerve by solving a really, really important problem, what you're doing by charging up front for the worst version of your app is it's a force function for finding the people whose problem this is truest, uh, you know, in their lives. So if, for example, if you have a, a fitness app, the first version of your fitness app is going to be pretty bad. But if someone's willing to pay for it, those people are probably really, really open to using a fitness app to get 
you know, healthier or, or stronger or whatever it is. And so those are people that you can build for and whose problems you can solve. And then would the idea then be to, over time, figure out if there are specific features that should be part of a free experience? Yeah, um, I mean, th there, there are different kinds of apps. There are mass market apps like Citizen that um, sort of relies on millions of people, you know, depositing information into it. And so it's kind of tough to just pay gate the whole app if, you're, if, if you're, you, the whole success of your app depends on some viral coefficient. Uh, but if you're, if you're just looking to make money with a subscription, uh, there, you have to test. You have to test both. But what you're either going to do is paywall the entire app or paywall half your app. And when you're paywalling half your app, you have to keep in mind that the price of those features you're paywalling, they just doubled, right? Because half the product, half the, half the app is free. So there's no value associated with it. The other half, there's tons of value associated with it, right? Because you're only charging for those. And um, majority of your users don't get to use the software as you created it because um, half of it is not available to them. And, yeah. yeah. So I don't, I don't yeah. Know. The, other, the other thing I think about a ton too is, um, you know, the, the features that you paywall um, need to have like some self-evident value. And that's what I've really struggled with. Like you see a lot of apps, it's like they want to put their best features behind the paywall, but sometimes your best feature is actually maybe an innovative feature that isn't like, self-evidently valuable. And so you think, oh, I, I'm going to build this amazing feature. We're going to spend all this engineering time. It's going to be amazing. And you put it behind your paywall and people are like, what, like, what is that even? And it's like, you, you need them to experience it. And so by either doing a fully free, a, a fully paywalled, they actually get to experience those great features during that free trial. Or you do, you do that kind of, uh, uh, free trial where they, they get that, even if it's not hard paywalled. So, uh, yeah, a lot of things to play with, a lot of things to experiment with. And then the cool thing is like, none of this is set in stone. And that's the whole point is that, you know, you need to optimize this over time. Yeah. You need to try things in and out of your paywall. You need to experiment with, with pricing and everything else. Uh, and that's actually the next thing I wanted to bring up. The third thing to, uh, optimizing your paywall is pricing. Yeah, we could talk for hours about optimizing the the main price, but one of the things I think you talk about a lot that's especially interesting that not everyone thinks about is intent-based pricing uh, and showing different offers to different uh, people in different stages of their user journey, but then also in different countries and kind of understanding intent. So how do you how do you do that, and and what do you think about that? Sure. Well, the the uh, not so nice way to say it is price discrimination. The nice <laughs> the nice way to say it is um, personalized pricing. What you're doing is you're maximizing for both revenue and users at the same time. Um, you're you're making your product more available in places who otherwise wouldn't be able to afford it, um, which I think is inherently a good thing. I think it's, it's things can be said about increasing the price dramatically for very wealthy people, right? But I think that making your product more accessible for people who might not otherwise be able to afford it. I think that outweighs it as a, as a good thing. Yeah. Um, but yeah. And, and dating apps got in trouble, for example, for like charging men more and women less. And that's not the kind of price discrimination you're talking about. That's not illegal, I don't think. Yeah. <laughs> but what we're talking about here is more, you know, if, if somebody uh, comes into your app, doesn't engage with like your core features, yep. and you send them an email, it's like, hey, 50% off. Absolutely. Like continuing to capture value. And now with uh, promotional uh, subscription, promotional offers on App Store and, and um, Android, 
you can't do things like a month free. You can do a year discount and then it kicks back up. Like there's a lot of ways to kind of uh, do this kind of uh, these offers and discounts that, that don't even necessarily last all, all time either. Uh, Daryl, how, how are y'all thinking about pricing? I know currently you actually only have a monthly plan, which is really different than most subscription apps. How are you thinking about uh, annual and then evolving pricing and testing pricing over time? Yeah, I mean, something you should know about us off the jump is, uh, you know, we kind of, our subscription business kind of happened to us. You know, we, so we, we had a free app and then we sort of realized along our journey, oh, we can actually monetize via the subscription. So it wasn't as though we built this like really elegant system from the very beginning. It just, right. it all interconnected and scaled. Um, and that's a different, I think, inherently product challenge when you step into something like that. So the reason we have a monthly isn't because we figured out that's perfect. It's because like, our tooling and our testing and all the things haven't yet fully caught up to, you know, all of the permutations or even web acquisition or these things that will allow us to go layers deeper. And um, it doesn't mean we're going to be stuck there, but that's kind of where we started. And if there's a lesson from that, I would say, um, you know, be as simple as you need to be to sort of get your thing off the ground and then layer on the complexity. I don't think you're going to win by being prematurely complex in a lot of cases, though you might find like a local maxima. And so we're in the process now of scaling out. We will have different pricing offerings. And something we're talking a lot about is, you know, we offer this like, I kid you not, very important kind of product that's rescuing people who need help when they press a button and reach an agent. How do we get that to more people? And that will inherently require different price tiers or different models. We're even considering affiliate programs <coughs> whereby, you know, maybe if you invite a certain amount of people, you get free access or something right. like that. So um, we think a lot about pricing as almost like a tool for access. I think Jake put it really well. And um, that will inherently necessitate, you know, a family plan with a different level of access and a monthly plan and for sure annual plans. Yeah. And, you know, there's other things we're thinking about sort of off of that. Um, and this doesn't mean we haven't tested pricing, but when we did test it, it wasn't obviously this like, oh, we got to sprint to do this now kind of lever relative to like adding more value or doubling down and refining kind of the core product offering in the context of a single price. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's what a lot of apps kind of fail to to think about. Like pricing can evolve over time. Like you don't have to get it perfect the first time. Uh, I was looking at the Tinder app recently because you know they're they're a lot further along than a lot of subscription apps, and they now have. Let's <laughs> see if I get this right: a gold offering, a platinum offering, and then a platinum plus offering. Those are three separate subscriptions. Then they have two separate uh, in-app consumables for super boosts and super likes or profile boost and super likes. Those are in-app consumables. And then you can actually get a subscription for the boost. And so it is a, a crazy product matrix. Um, and I, I'm happily married man, so I don't use Tinder. So I'm not sure exactly how they present it. Market but, research, market research. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but it's one of those things like, you know, you can over time develop a much more mature monetization uh, as you test and see what works. And then I would imagine, and even what I saw just in, in minimal testing of the, of the Tinder app is that they do progressively show these things. So you're not seeing like a paywall with like 30 options. You're seeing the paywall that's relevant to what you're trying to do. And then they can upgrade you over time or, you know, pull you deeper into the app. Uh, so I think, and, and this is why we need to test, right? This is why we need yeah. Superwall to actually see what's performing well to test things out to constantly be iterating the the, the whole point is to uh you want to you want to show every individual user the price that matches their demand so their demand is could be different from the onset so right when they download the app you know if they're in a different country their demand might be lower because people don't make as much money there 
but also based on time from when they downloaded. So if a month has passed since they first downloaded and they you know, haven't converted yet, their demand is also lower. Right. And so in all these scenarios, you need to set up rules so that you can offer the right discount at the, at the right time. Yeah. Um, and just like in Econ 101, you're just maximizing the area under, under the curve, which is yeah. like your revenue. So placement, features, pricing, the next one on your list is visuals. And uh, I have two things in mind, and we'll see if you get it right. What are the top two things <laughs> to think about on visuals for your paywall? The top two going to move the needle things uh, on design of your paywall. A video always does great. We, we haven't seen, actually with you, with you actually, a video is flat. Oh, right? interesting. Yeah, with, uh, but it was just one video. video. We haven't we'll have to do more videos. <laughs> um, so one of, the, one of the best placements to put a paywall is right before onboarding. The thing is, before onboarding, it's, it's kind of tough. You're asking someone to pay for your app without ever trying it. Um, and people have an people have an urge to feel things. You know, like if you go, if you if you were to go to a a, a store and and you ever get that urge when you're when you're looking at a product on the shelf to want to like take it out of the packaging to sort of see what it's like before you buy it. By adding a video of just here's how the app works in the paywall, you sort of get that same feeling as a user of oh okay I understand what I'm buying I understand exactly what I'm getting and interestingly enough across all categories the videos that we see do well are not like live action commercials. They're just like high production value screen recordings of the app with like overlays. People just want to see what the hell they're getting. Uh, so like literally show it to them inside of a phone. And you've made a good point before too that I just never would have thought of is that when you drop a free user into your app and you, you know, they're not going to read the onboarding screens. They're not going to necessarily know how to engage with like your highest value features. And so by building the video, you're actually showing them the best way to use the yeah. app. Like you're showing them the value of the app and you get to kind of control the messaging there totally. versus kind of dropping them into the app and hoping they land on these high value, high engagement features. Instead, you just show it to them right from the outset. All right. So what's number two? What's the second like pro tip Okay, I'm trying to I'm trying to pattern to see what you have in your mind in your head. <laughs> okay, uh, coloring the CTA. Oh yeah, okay, that's a big one. So, I think Amazon once did a study. Someone once did a study. They wanted to figure out what what color made the best C for a CTA button. And the interesting thing is, it actually doesn't matter. What matters is it that it's the only thing that has any color on the page. So, really stick to bland paywalls, but not that much color. You want really high contrast between the only button you want them to press, which is the purchase button and the background. Don't use graphics with crazy, uh, with the same CTA color that that sort of steals uh, visual weight from people's um, attention. Yeah, yeah, I think this is a fantastic tip. Uh, so placement, features, pricing. Uh, the last one on your list is copy. And this is something I'm really curious, Daryl, uh, you have a, a fairly large team there at Citizen. How, how do you think about copy? And, and this is kind of a, we can talk specifically on paywalls, but this is such an important thing across marketing, across uh, app features. I mean, writing well inside an app is is such a huge topic in and of itself. But but how do you at Citizen think about uh, copywriting, paywalls, marketing, and, and things along those lines? So I think we've kind of approached this in stages, and we still sort of they all sort of. Some seem to come back around, like early stage, kind of getting your future off the ground. We were just crowdsourcing a lot. You know, we'd literally get into a room and be like, hey, like, here's some, you know, 
inspirational images that we might throw on this paywall, like what kind of copy would you write for them? And we get, you know, five, six people writing sort of creative copy. And then we'd run a test of all of those and kind of see what resonated and kind of like get real time feedback on the kinds of value props or even like phrases. Never be alone was a phrase that really resonated for our product. Um, and then you could kind of build more, build momentum off of that. So we did a lot of just like creative brainstorming, jump into a fig jam, get the team rallied. And it's crazy where the best ideas can come from when you're like testing on a specific surface. Um, beyond that, you know, we do have a team of uh, creative content writers. They power all of our apps content um, who we can pull in strategically to help us write product copy. Um, and we do that on, as, on an as needed basis. We don't have like an in-house kind of content writer. Um, we're just a little smaller and a little scrappier than that. But I think if there's anything I could kind of reinforce, it's best ideas can come from anywhere and do what you can to sort of create the conditions where the best ideas can emerge for your highest value flows. Yeah, as you think about um, copy, Jake, what are, what are some of the top things that come to mind as far as what you, the kind of state of mind or frame of, of thinking that you should get into when writing paywall copy? Well, in, in general, writing, writing copy that leads to user action uh, is, a, is a skill. Yeah. People are really good at it goes back to like the direct marketing days with like selling, sending letters to people's homes to try to get them to do things. Like people do really, really good work there. Usually uh, there, there are two things to remember. One, you always want to tell the user exactly what you want them to do. Like exactly. So you say, like if you could be as blunt as press the purple button below to start your free trial, like that's great. Um, or if you can say, unlock today to continue. Usually on paywalls, we don't even see in the copy that you're telling the user to subscribe. It's right. just sort of like, you know, buy now or whatever. Um, and the second is that most people lack, they lack the EQ to really put themselves in their customers' shoes. And even if you can, you can't put it in all your customers and all of their different segments. And usually the best place to figure out how to talk about your product is by asking your users right. why they love your product. So um, in the past, I've looked through, uh, like uh, questionnaires and surveys to see there's a question, why do you love, uh, you know, whatever your app is. Um, and the, usually users do a really good job of just succinctly, succinctly saying why they love your app. And yeah. uh, sometimes you're too close to the problem to put it in a way that's. Yeah. And I, I was looking at my notes because there were, there were two things that, that you've said before that I really resonated with as well. Uh, and that's selling outcomes and engaging emotion yes, in your copywriting. Absolutely. So yeah, tell me a little bit more about, about how you sell outcomes versus selling features. So the example with selling outcomes is when there's a toothpaste brand advertising on TV, they advertise the smile. Then they go into the fluoride and the chemical uh, differentiation between their products. But usually you want to sell the outcome and you want to sell it as something that rings an emotional bell in the customer. So um, instead of saying... Uh, you know, fitness AI is a uh, is is an accurate is is an AI weightlifting coach. You want to say feel your strongest and your most confident because, like, in knowing that you have the best weightlifting routine um, on the planet, right? So that's like more of an emotional yeah. uh, invitation to try your try your app out. Yeah, that's great. All right, so we've covered placement, we've covered features, we've covered pricing, we've covered visuals, and we've covered copy. Those are the top five things that you should be thinking about when optimizing your paywalls. Um, but we've got a couple minutes left. And so I want to leave everybody with uh, your experience. So we didn't talk about it, but Jake uh, built Superwall, 
because he was uh, in the app industry himself, building uh, an app called Fitness AI. Uh, he was a founder of that app. Actually went through Y Combinator and was going to blow that app up. And then you did this one experiment that just completely blew your mind. So tell us about that experiment and then how it led you to then build Superwall. Um, we added a video to the paywall and we moved it before onboarding and revenue like went up 80% or conversion rates went up 80% and we didn't even change anything about the product. Wow. Um, and yeah, throughout, throughout Fitness AI's existence, most of my investor updates were speaking about, you know, paywall stuff and conversion rates. And so when I shared with them that I think I may have started the wrong business, they were, uh, they were pretty, pretty <laughs> encouraging to go try it out. Um, so yeah, I, so, so, and we've talked about this example before. So trial start rates went like through the roof because yep. you actually like took a swing. Yeah. People <laughs> actually getting... gave people the opportunity to start a free trial. Absolutely. Like people installs to paywall, the, the, the percentage of installs to paywall went up from like 40% to 85%. Wow. And then, and then the thing that I was most amazed at is that subscription app, um, life cycle it is like a funnel. And sometimes you can juice uh, trial starts by being really aggressive with the paywall, but then you see a commensurate drop in trial conversions, mm -hmm. or you see really bad retention, or you know, it's really, refund you can't, rates. refund rates go really high. So you can't look at any individual benchmarks in isolation, especially when you're running these tests, you really want to watch these cohorts perform over time. And so what happened with this specific cohort? Did they convert? No, with this one, they, most of them converted down, down funnel, so it, it was worth it. Um, the truth is onboarding probably wasn't that good. And people who were really motivated and who would have bought just weren't finishing onboarding to see right. the paywall. Uh, yeah. So with the video, you, they, they understood exactly what they were getting and you, get, you just gave them the option to purchase if they wanted. Also, you could always tap the X button. Right. You could just skip it. Yeah. And then one more hot tip, uh, another one from Jake. Um, tell me about adding discounted subscription plans to your subscription group. Ah, that's a good one. So uh, when, when someone goes to cancel uh, your subscription, they go to the app store and they're forced to look at all of the subscriptions in your subscription group before you cancel. And so um, a trick that, that we do is offer a discounted plan in that subscription group. And it sort of acts as a built-in win-back campaign because if you're going to go cancel, you're forced to see that there's a cheaper plan as you're canceling. Um, and I think 10, 15% of subscribers are on a plan that you can't even subscribe to in the app. The only way you could subscribe to it is by trying to cancel yeah. in, in the app store. And what I love about this particular win back campaign, it's not a dark pattern. There's a cancel button right there. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's a, it's a cheaper price right above the cancel button. You're not tricking people. You're not making it hard to cancel. You're not you know, putting 10 steps in between them and canceling, you're just giving them a cheaper plan. And what's super cool is they're probably going to cancel anyways. They were in the cancel screen. And so you're winning back revenue that you would have lost. And then, okay, they tell all their friends, hey, go subscribe to Fitness AI for 99, go to cancel, and then you're going to get this cheaper plan. <laughs> it's like, great. That's great. That's incredible word of marketing. And then those people who are on that cheaper plan, probably have higher retention over time because they feel like they're getting this great deal and they don't want to lose that great deal. Uh, so anyways, I, th I thought that was just another fantastic quick tip. Um, That's a great tip. I was yeah. going to say, I haven't heard that. <laughs> <laughs> Noted. Uh, well, we are uh, a couple of minutes over time already, but uh, uh, Jake and Daryl, thank you so much for joining us. Um, thank you. This 
will be aired as a podcast on the Subclub podcast in June will be released. And then also uh, YouTube videos and video clips and everything. So if you enjoyed and want to share it with folks, um, it will be on the Subclub podcast soon. And Andrew, thank you so much for having us. Uh, are you going to come walk us out or are we done? <laughs> thank you, everybody. Not with a bang, but with a whimper. Yeah. Thank <laughs> you. Yeah. Thank you, everyone. To make sure you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player. Thanks so much for listening. Until next time. 